God, as we stand for the reading of God's word, and we enter a new series of messages. This year of 2017, we called it at the beginning of this year for us here at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road as the year of God's supernatural favor. This is another series in this year. The series is entitled Imperfect. It is important for us to understand that you don't have to be perfect to be blessed by God's supernatural favor. Amen, someone. You don't have to be perfect. This is the first of four messages. The gospel that has been recorded by St. Matthew, chapter 14, two verses, verse 30, verse 31, and for a clearer understanding of the text, we've chosen the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation, verse 30, Matthew's chapter 14. And it reads, But when he saw the strong wind, speaking of Peter, and when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said to Peter, You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And the church that loves God's word said amen. The year is supernatural favor. The series is imperfect. This is not a judgmental series. I said to the church before I give you the subject, this is not one of those series where you point the finger at anybody but yourself. And just to clear the atmosphere, just look at somebody and say, we all are imperfect. From the pulpit to the parking lot, we all are imperfect and perfect. Catch the hands of someone that's standing next to you. First message of this imperfect series is this. Simply look at someone and say, so little faith. Amen. So little faith. You may be seated. So little faith. It has been said it has been stated, and I agree wholeheartedly with this statement, that what is unique about us as humans is that unlike machines, we can have major flaws and still be very productive. Amen? Nobody wants a watch that does not work. Nobody keeps a refrigerator that does not get cold. I'm preaching now. Nobody wants an air condition that blows out hot air. Am I right about it? Nobody wants a car that does not drive. When machines don't work, they're done away with, and you get a new machine. 
But what is so unique about us as humans is that our imperfections do not prevent the Lord from still using us. I just want to say that so that the devil can understand. I'm glad that God doesn't treat us like a watch that doesn't work. I'm glad that God doesn't treat us like a refrigerator that gets halfway cold. Amen. I'm glad that God takes all of our flaws and refuses to throw us away and say, I can still use you to do a mighty work in the kingdom. In fact, unlike machines, with humans, perfection is not expected. I want to say that again. Because if you are expecting anybody to be perfect, then you have issues. The fact of the matter is you are not perfect. You are a long ways from perfect. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. First word of that verse say A-L-L. Look at somebody and say that includes you and your mama and your great grandmama who you thought did no wrong. <laughs> all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What is so disturbing is many times those of us who have been forgiven of the most seem to be the, the least forgiving people. We forgive others of even less than what we have been forgiven of. May I preach? What is so disturbing is that we know our history. We know where we've come from. And we know what God has brought us out of. Yet we seem not to be as caring of others when they go through this. There is an ancient proverb that I really like that simply says this, quote, gold can never be pure and people can never be perfect. Just like there is no pure gold other than the streets of heaven, there are no perfect people. And oftentimes there's a quote by a French uh, philosopher who was in the 17th century by the name of Voltaire. Voltaire is one of those guys, Chip, that Uncle Joe made you and I read and study. He, he made philosophers out of Chip and myself by uh, reading, which helped us so because it broadened our mind. And we read Kant and Voltaire and Aristotle. But Voltaire writes this, and you've often heard it used. He says, do not allow the pursuit of perfection to become the enemy of what is good. In other words, just because you can't reach perfection, don't throw away what is good. Amen. Because there are a whole lot of good people who would never be perfect. And we oftentimes, in the pursuit of perfection, allows the pursuit of perfection to become the enemy of what is good. The prophet Jeremiah was taught a lesson on this. 
In fact, he was reminded by the Lord while he was on a required field trip to the potter's house. The Bible says God told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house and there I will show you something. Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and, and he sees a vessel that was scarred and marred and imperfect. But it was still in the potter's hand. Ooh, I'm preaching to somebody now. Because a lot of us have our flaws. But thank God we're still in his hand. Amen. Uh, here's what Jeremiah said. And the Lord made it again another vessel as it was pleasing to the potter to make. In other words, as long as it was in his hand, God could work on it. God can shape it. God can make it out of something good. Is there anybody in here so glad that you're still in the potter's hand? And, 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 and with all of your imperfections, God did not throw you away. And when others wanted to give up on you and say, we can get another vessel, God said, no, give me a little more time. I'm, I'm shaping him, shaping her into something that I want her and him to be. Thank God for the potter's house. And so God has given us an assignment. And in this series and in these messages that will be in this series, God says, I want you to study the life of Peter. We are going to study the testimony of Peter. Peter, an imperfect vessel, yet highly favored by the Lord. Peter, the big mouth, you know Peter, the cussing Peter, the fighting Peter, uh, yet highly favored by the Lord. In fact, Peter, of all the disciples, was chosen to lead the New Testament church despite his flaws and his imperfections. Those who asked for the job didn't get the job. You know the sons of Zebedee and their mother who went to Jesus and says, when you set up your kingdom, let my sons be in charge. I'm convinced that the Lord still don't reward folk who always want to be up front, always pushing everybody else aside, who thinks that nobody can do it greater than them. I am so glad that God still looks for Peters and Gideons and people who are hiding behind the wine press. And God still looks for Moses with stammering tongues. And God say, I don't care about your credentials. I don't care about your degrees. I want somebody who has a passion for the kingdom. So glad God does not see as men see. And so we will, throughout these next four messages, we will look at Peter and his imperfections. Jesus said this of Peter in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, and we will go into this in greater detail next week. But here's what Jesus said. Peter, having declared that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus turns to him while his name was still Simon. I want you to note this. 
My Sunday school students know this. While his name was Simon, Jesus changed his name to Peter, which was the rock. And Jesus said, and I say also to you that you are Peter, Petros, the Greek word, that Jesus changed his name. and said, you're no longer just Simon. We're going to call you Simon Peter. Because upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, Peter. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Now, my brothers and sisters, what makes this statement so remarkable is that as Jesus was speaking these words to Peter, Peter's life was a mess. This was pre-Pentecost. This was pre-upper room. Uh, Jesus speaks into somebody's current life about their future life why their current life is all jacked up. Can I preach to somebody? See, some of you are so holier than now, you want everybody to get straightened up before God can use them. But God said, I'll declare and decree while you're still drunk that one day you're going to be a mighty warrior for me. While you're still smoking the blood, God says, I will touch you and I'll see you in the future. Somebody ought to help me praise God because you've got some children that God says I'll see you in the future. You've got some loved ones and don't you dare give up on them because God is not through with them yet. God can take a mess and make a blessing out of it. God can take a Simon and make a Petros out of it. Woo! Woo! Because somebody said God's still working on me. Tell him, be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. Anybody know you're still a work in progress? Uh, come on, I need somebody to know that you're still a work in progress. And I'm not saying this to give you any permission to sin. Now, I want you to hear me correctly. I'm saying this to give you a permission to strive to live righteous. And striving to live righteous does not mean perfection. But it doesn't mean that you keep sinning over and over again because Pastor Jackson say ain't nobody perfect. No, but you've got to walk towards righteousness. You've got to wake up every morning and say, Lord, make me better than yesterday. Make me better than last week. Have your way, Lord. I feel like preaching this series. Wow, Jesus was declaring that you are Petros the rock. Whew. Peter was still a cursor and a liar and a denier. Whew. But Jesus says, that's all right, because I'm not speaking about your current situation. Whew. God can see you in the future. What, what makes the Lord so powerful that he knows where you've been, he knows where you are, but unlike anybody else in this worship center, 
God knows where you're going to end up. <laughs> there's some blessings that are being worked on. In fact, I declare that there's some blessings that are asleep in the bed right now. Didn't even come to church. Still got a hangover from last night. That, come on, somebody point your hands in the atmosphere. Somebody want to send the anointing somewhere and say, go get him, Lord. Come on, y'all. Punch your hands this way. Say, have your way, Lord. Say, I rebuke the adversary in that drunken stage. Wake him up. Bless him with the anointing. I feel something to my brothers and sisters who listen to us behind prison walls. I want to let you know that God hasn't given up on you. You may have made a mistake, but God hasn't given up on you. God can use prisoners like he used Paul. Paul's greatest work came from a prison cell. Woo! When Paul writes, therefore now there is no condemnation. When Paul writes, I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. He was behind prison walls. So don't tell me what God can do. You may want a prima donna, but God can use a prisoner. God can use a homonger. God can use somebody who used to be an addict. Yes, he can. Look at the text. Y'all better stop because I feel something up in here. Somebody's going to be blessed in this series. Woo. Somebody's going to put the devil in his place. When the devil reminds you of how imperfect you are, tell him, yes, Peter was also. Look how he turned out. Tell him Paul was also. Look how he turned out. David was also, David was an adulterer, a homonger, and a murderer. But God still blessed him in a mighty way. Because through all your imperfection, somebody needs to say, Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Look at our text. In this text, we have a wonderful example of both Peter's imperfections as well as the aspects of his life that made him such a great leader. The text began for our purposes in verse 22. In verse 22, it says this, the New Living Translation says that Jesus insisted that his disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. The New International Version says Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. Don't miss this next point. Sometimes in life, the Lord has to make us go somewhere we don't want to go. I'm preaching to somebody now. Sometimes God has to push us out of our comfort zone 
and take us to a place that we would never go on our own. The text says Jesus insisted. Text says Jesus made them get into the boat and go to the other side. Now listen, unlike the last time the disciples encountered trouble on a stormy sea, this time Jesus was not with them on the boat. I'm going somewhere. If you look at St. Matthew's chapter 8 and verse 23, you don't have to turn there, but just note it. That was the first encounter with a stormy sea. And in verse 23 of Matthew's chapter 8, it says Jesus got on the boat with them as they went to the other side. This time is different. Woo! This is new to the disciples. They are used to getting in trouble with Jesus on the boat. They're used to having Jesus somewhere asleep in the back and they can run and wake him up. But what happens when the setting changes? What happens when the circumstances change? Things aren't like they used to be. Last time you got in trouble, your mama was alive, your daddy was alive, and you had somebody there to pray for you. What happens now that mama isn't there? What happens now when you need a prayer through? Ah, oh, the disciples was on new territory. Somebody says new territory. Ah, uh, while on the boat by themselves being forced on the boat. Here's what the text says in verse 24. They were in trouble far away from land. One translation says they were in trouble in the middle of the sea a long distance from the shore. Why is this important? Because God says, what happens when we're already out there and we're too far gone to turn around now? What happens when you already step out there and you're in the middle of the sea and it's too far to go back now and you're in trouble? in the middle of what you're going through. What do you do when the hellhounds are on your track in the middle of a stormy sea? When the winds are blowing and the waves are beating on the ship and your money is funny and your change is strange and people treating you like they don't know you and you're broke and don't know how you're gonna make you pay your mortgage and waiting on the next paycheck just to cut your lights back on. I need to preach to some real folk. What do you do when you're already out there? Can I preach? What do you do when you're not quite close enough to Jesus and the devil is trying to get you and you're in the middle of where you're going? but you haven't reached that place yet. Woo! Look at somebody and say, God will take care of you. Woo! See, I want to tell you that when you're 
a long ways from home. The scripture says in verse 25 that although they did not know where Jesus was, don't miss this. Tell somebody, don't miss this. Tell them Jesus knew where they were. Although they did not know what Jesus was up to, Jesus knew what they were up to. I stop by to tell you that in the midst of whatever you're going through, God knows what you're going through. God knows your down settings and your uprisings. God knows how broke you are, how sick you are, how hurt you are, how lonely you are. God knows everything about you. You may not be able to think you can reach God, but God says, I know sometimes when you get in trouble, you can reach God. But other times you're so deep in it, God's got to come find you. Can I preach to somebody that God had to find you? You didn't even have sense enough to pray for yourself. You didn't have sense enough to ask God for help. But God says, I know you're in the midst of this. I'll find you. I'll come where you are. Look at the text. Look at the text. In the midst of the sea, a long ways from the land. Now there is a silhouette of a man that could be a ghost that's walking on the water. Mm. <laughs> ah. Ah. They've never been in this place before. What do you do when you find yourself in a situation you've never been in before? Look at somebody say, neighbor, what do you do when you find yourself in trouble you've never seen before? When you're in a situation you've never been through before? They're used to a stormy sea, but they're used to Jesus being on board. What do you do when you don't know what to do? The good news is that Jesus knows where you are and he'll come to you. Anybody know that he will come to you late in the midnight hour? I need just a few witnesses that God ever visit you when nobody else was around. Can I get a witness? Anybody know that he found you in the midst of your mess? You were this close to giving up and just before you had a breakdown, God sent a breakthrough and God told the devil, I got this. Get your hands off him. Get your hands off her. I need some witnesses that know that the only reason you are still here is because God found you. Listen. Here it is. Look at the text. Jesus knowing that they were in trouble. <laughs> That's what it says. Jesus knowing that they were in trouble. If you don't get anything else today, I need you to get this. He knows what you're going through. <laughs> knowing that they were in trouble, Jesus goes to them. Verse 25 says, walking on the water. We haven't seen this Jesus before. 
So we don't know if that's Jesus or not. We've seen some water experiences, but not like this. We saw him in Canaan transform water into wine, but we haven't seen this. We saw him in Matthew's chapter 8 calm the raging sea while we were still on the boat. Shake your head at somebody and say, I haven't seen this before. Sometimes the enemy brings you problems you've not seen before. And the enemy wants to convince you just because you haven't been through it before doesn't mean the Lord can't bring you through it. Doesn't mean that God won't still make a way. Is there anybody who can declare and decree with me, God is still a way maker? Look at the text. We had not seen this before. So verse 26 says, they cried out and they were all terrified. And they cried out in fear. What they should have remembered is that Jesus says, go to the other side. He had already declared that you're going to get there. He just didn't tell you what you have to go through on your way there. Some of you, God has already declared that you are going to be blessed. You are highly favored and blessed by the Lord, but he just has not told you what you got to go through. He didn't show you all those folk that are going to lie on you on your way to the other side. He didn't show you the heartaches and the heartbreaks on your way to the other side. He didn't show you losing your job on your way to the other side. But look at somebody and say, that's all right because my destination has already been determined. Woo! If you already know that it's going to be all right, so what if you got to go through something? Listen. They cried out. Verse, can I preach this? Just a few more minutes. Jesus says to them in verse 27, don't be afraid. Take courage. And this is the part I like. I am here. (laughs) Can I say that again? Don't be afraid. Look at somebody and say, don't be afraid. Take courage. Jesus is here. Now what happens next is why Peter was such a phenomenal leader. What happens next is why Peter was also a man with weaknesses. Verse 28, listen listen to this. Everybody else on this ship, 12 people at least, minimum of 12 people on the ship, only one talks to Jesus. (laughs) You'll catch it later. Everybody else was so afraid. They wouldn't even have a dialogue with him. Peter in his mind was going, I think I recognize the voice. But Lord, here's the deal. If it's you, tell me to come. And tell me to come by walking on the water. If it's you, make me do what you are doing. Help me to do what you are doing. 
Now look at this. Verse 29 is perhaps the most profound word in all of this. The NIV translation. Verse 29, the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee says, you can write a whole Bible on this one word. Jesus, listen to what he says. Peter says, if it's you, invite me to come. Jesus said, come. Look at what Jesus says, come. Note what he did not say. I'm going somewhere. He never said, Peter, you come. Because never, he invited everybody on the boat. Come means all y'all come. 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 I want to see who is willing to come. I want to see because y'all can wake me up when I'm in the back of the boat. But I'm going to see if you've got enough faith to lead the boat. We've got a whole lot of back of the boat folks. But not too many get out of the boat folk. You at the back of the boat waiting on your miracle. But Jesus says your miracle is not this time in the back of the boat. Your miracle is in your faith to step out on the water. I feel like preaching. Mother, the lovely mother, Betty King. I remember your song that you sang. That's the only song I ever remember you singing. Oh, Peter. See how y'all remember that? Don't be afraid. Some of y'all are too young to remember that song. Walk out on the water. Peter, don't be afraid. I am Mary's baby. Oh, Peter, don't be afraid. Touch somebody and say, sometimes you've got to have enough faith to step out on the water and say, Lord, if you invited me to come, I'm on my way. Touch somebody and say, get up, come out, get up, come out. You've been in the boat too long. Come on, everybody, take a step. Come. Come. Walk out of darkness. Walk out of perversion. Walk out of sin. Get your praise partner. Say, come, come. Your miracle is on the water. Your miracle is not in the boat. It's on the water. Peter 
was John? Where was James? You want to be on his right hand and your left hand, but you don't have the courage to walk out on the water when there's trouble on the water. Is there anybody in here got enough faith to say, Lord, I'll walk on the water? Come. Listen. Got to finish this on Tuesday night. Listen. That was the good Peter. But look at the imperfect Peter. Whew. Then we have the altar call. Here's Peter. Here's what the scripture says. He's walking. Deacon Glover, he's walking on the water. Whew. The boat is behind him. The naysayers are behind him. Look at somebody here. He's doing good. He's walking on the water. But he loses focus. He forgot who invited him to come. And he began to look at the wind that was around him. And the Bible said when he saw the wind, he began to sink. He began to sink when he stopped looking at Jesus and started looking at the windbags and the liars and the gossipers and everybody else who had an opinion about his life. When he saw the wind, whoo, he began to sink. That was the imperfect Peter. But here again is the righteous Peter. Whew. At least he had enough sense to know who to call when you begin to sink. Woo! I wish I had time to preach this. I would tell you that while you're sinking, you better not call mama. You better not call daddy. Don't call Pastor Jackson. But you better know how to call on the name of the Lord. Peter said, Lord, save me. Is there anybody in here that's ever been sinking and you had to call on God to pick you up and turn you around? I wish I had a witness. Call his name. What's his name? We're about to get on the devil's nerve. What's his name? Who can save you? Who can deliver you? Who can set you free? Who can make a way out of nowhere? What's his name? Call him. Call him. Call him. Tell your neighbor, give me some room. This is apostolic Sunday. Call him. Call him. Come on, somebody. Throw your head back and say, Jesus. Jesus. He's the way maker. Jesus. Oh, I've got to get out of here. But I need about 100 folk to run to this altar. Look me in the face. Throw your head back and say, Jesus.
to call him. I dare you to call him. I dare you to call him. I dare you to give God an undignified praise. Come on. Waymaker, my very present help. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Anybody need him? Anybody need him? I need you, Lord. I need you. stretched out his hands and picked him up. I'm here to tell you, you may be sinking, but the good news, you know how to call on his name. You know how to declare, Lord, save me. Jesus looked at Peter and said, what happened? 
You had enough faith to leave the boat, but you didn't have enough faith to stay afloat because you looked around and took your eyes off me and started watching the wind. Last point. Don't lose focus of what is in front of you. A healer, a way maker, a heart fixer. Because you are more concerned about what is around you. I'm here to tell you that my Lord, my God, you are a way maker. God will never forsake you. Tell somebody he will never forsake you. I invite you to come to this altar. We're done. Come back on Tuesday night. We have three points that we want to share with you on this Tuesday night that are so significant to this text. But hear the words of James Fortune. Our Lord, my God, you are with us. My peace my hope in you, I trust. I can always count on your strength to carry me through. My refuge is God your refuge. You are my covering. In you there's safety. I won't fear. I am in awe because of you. This is the part I like. You will never forsake me. Lift those hands all over this place and say, Lord, you will never forsake me. Even when I take my eyes off you. Woo! That's my testimony. Let me testify. There have been times in my life in which I was out there on the water, but I took my eyes off Jesus. And I was more concerned about my career more concerned about my colleagues, more concerned about what my friends were saying about me. Woo! And I began to sink. But thanks be to God, I knew who to call. <laughs> I said, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached way down. Tell somebody he reached way down to get some of us. <laughs> Pulled us up out of the muck and the mire, set our feet on a solid rock. He'll never forsake us. Come on, TJ. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wave those hands in the air. Lord, our God. Oh, yeah. can always count on Woo. Yeah, 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 yeah. My rep. <laughs> Woo. You're my covering, Lord. <laughs> There's safety. Wave those hands in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Anybody know that to be true? Wave those hands. Oh, you never. You never. For this entire month, we are going to be looking at the testimony of Peter. And what made Peter so special, despite his many imperfections, was that he was bold enough, he was courageous enough to do, Sister Peaches, what nobody else would do. Everybody else was stuck in fear on the boat but Peter had just enough faith to walk out on the water but he didn't have enough to block out of the distractions that were around him Jesus says so little faith you had a little faith but you need more because listen to this, my brothers and sisters. When you take a bold stand and walk out on the water and put yourself out there, distractions will come. There will be people hating on you that don't even know your name. They will make up stuff about you. They will lie on you. They will try to get you fired. They will do everything they can. But you have to have enough faith to believe that God won't forsake you and block out all distractions and say, here I am, Lord. I'm out here now. It takes a relationship. Question I leave you with today. On this ninth month of the year, first day of the week, first Sunday of a new month, where are you with your relationship with the Lord? There are some people who do any and everything but give God a commitment. They come to church every week, pay their tithe, but they just won't commit. Because what that means is that I don't want to go the next level. And God said, see, somehow they've been convinced that commitment means perfection. But I'm here to tell you, it is anything but perfection. Woo. Commitment means that when we begin to sink, God will pick us up. And then he took Peter back in the boat and still made him the leader of the New Testament church. The reason why James and John could never leave the church John was astute. John was the greatest theologian in the Gospels. John wrote that he is the Word and the Word was with him. John wrote Logos. John wrote John 3.16.
John, John was powerful. James, the brother of John, became a bishop. But Peter had something John and James did not have. Peter had a boldness and a courageous spirit to walk out on nothing. Peter was illiterate. Peter was a fisherman from Galilee. Peter had John Mark to write his gospel. But where Peter was great, he had a Holy Ghost boldness to stand up and say, Lord, if it's you, invite me to come. And when Jesus said, come, John and James were stuck in fear. Peter had the bonus to walk out. I asked you this morning, are you Peter or are you John and James? Are you willing to take a stand with all your imperfections? Here I am, Lord. I'm bold enough to say, I choose you. I choose you, Lord. I, I can't, you won't live a perfect life. Even if you commit your life to the Lord today, you're going to make some mistakes. We all do. But the good news is that you've chosen something greater than what the world can offer. Where are you with your relationship? After this prayer, I'll stand right here and I invite some of you to come and say, here I am, Pastor Jackson. All my flaws. I've got addictions, I've got habits, I've got all kinds of things that are going on in my life, but I still want to be used by God. God to clean you up. Now here's the good news. I don't want you to get this wrong. On the day of Pentecost, God changed Peter. Peter was never the old Peter again. And although he wasn't perfect, he wasn't as bad as what he used to be. And God says, I'll make something new out of your life right now. Amen, somebody? Close those eyes, Lord. We thank you. We bless you. Thank you, Lord, for this series that's entitled Imperfect. You can take imperfect vessels like Peter, like Pastor Darrell Jackson, like many others, and you can use them to do a mighty work. Because it's not about Peter, certainly not about Pastor Jackson, but it's about you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Use somebody in here right now. Convince them that this is their day. You can turn it around for them right now. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, He'll never forsake you. Come on, if you're here today, and come on, I, I'll wait right here on you. Come, come tell God. If you're a student, you want to be a watch care, come. You just need somebody uh, to pray and watch over your soul you're while you're never. here. You'll never. Come on. Come on, wherever you are, God bless you. God bless you. If you want to make that commitment, come stand right here. God bless you. No, you'll never. Somebody else, you'll never forsake you. Lord, you'll Walk never, never. Somebody else, 
you got to lead the boat. Tell somebody you got to lead the boat. You have to lead the boat. Come on, somebody else that wants to come right now. Step out on faith. God is calling you right now. Somebody, is God calling you right now? No, Amen. Give God a hand of praise. Lift those hands, somebody else is coming. Come on, others are coming right now. Look at these young people are coming. at God. Somebody else, look at somebody and say, sometimes you got to leave the boat. Sometimes you have to walk out on the water. Anybody else ready to leave the boat? Wherever you are, God is calling you. Anyone else, God is calling you. Clap those hands, give God a hand of praise. little faith I don't know about you but I want to be able to walk out on the water and know that God would never forsake us amen you may be seated and if you may